Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, as always, thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you for the kind messages, the positive messages and tweets and the questions you've sent our way. As always, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it and really looking forward to bringing this one to you. This is a really unique opportunity that we have here with this episode, uh, as you could Hell by the title. Uh, we're going to focus on getting high school players ready for college. And, and as my guest will explain, he's kind of in a unique situation with his school. And, and we'll talk about specifically with him about the expectations of the players who go to his school and the fact that uh, his whole starting five is actually playing at the collegiate level next year. And so this is a really fun and exciting opportunity to talk about what can be done as a coach to make sure that you get those players who have those college aspirations, who are working towards that, to make sure that they are getting ready at the high school level to be able to play at the next level in college. So this is going to be pretty fun little different topic maybe than than usual, but I, I think it's a really interesting one because I know a lot of you listening really want to get your guys and girls ready to play uh, at the next level. So very happy to be joined by the head basketball coach at Cross Christian Academy. Coach AJ, Coach Alan Joy is here. Oop, Alan Foy. I got that correct now. Coach, appreciate you coming on and joining us here. How are things? Uh, amazing. I uh, appreciate you having me. It's, you know, always a great opportunity one to just talk basketball in general of course uh the sport you know a lot, a lot of people love and care about and has changed a lot of lives and then of course a great opportunity to you know keep growing our program and get our program um you know more more noise out there and more uh exposure yeah awesome coach let's start with your coaching journey and your basketball journey like i kind of mentioned off the offset i know that where, where you currently coach at is, is kind of a a unique situation maybe compared to other coaches so uh, so where are the where's the game of basketball taking you where's your coaching journey taking you and how did you end up at uh, cross christian academy yeah you know i mean we, we all have our own story um you know just like all my guys that are you know at my on my team that graduated this year we all have our own story and um you know so i actually grew up in delaware um i lived here till i was about 16 17 years old um i played at a public school um you know wasn't getting you know the the looks and the exposure and at to some extent even the playing time i i felt like um, you know, I should be getting. So I got, you know, my, my meant, I call him my uncle, um, just cause it's easier to explain. Um, I've known him my whole life, but he's a mentor to me. You know, he's like a second father to me, those kind of things. He has a program that he's coached for 15, 20 years up in New Jersey, Don Academy. And, uh, he kind of recruited me, um, uh, to go to, you know, go up there and play for him. So, you know, I went up there, played for him for two years. Um, you know, you know, really learned a lot about basketball. I knew for playing for him that, you know, the way he coached and how he loved his players, but were still hard and demanded a lot for his players, that that good balance that a lot of coaches struggle to find. Um, I knew, you know, he kind of ex- inspired me, if you will, to want to be a head coach one day and be a coach one day and impact people like he impacted me. Um, so I played for him for two years. Um, then I played uh, two years in college, JUCO, for a startup uh, program. They were a first-year program, my first year playing DeBry University. 
uh, Fort based out of Fort Washington, PA. Um, played, you know, played there for two years and uh, just, you know, didn't really get any looks after that. My body was kind of breaking down. I had a mm-hmm. knee injury. I had a back injury. So I just kind of finished up my bachelor's degree and uh, called it a day on my playing career. You know, I, I could read the tea leaves back then, as they say. Um, you know, I wasn't going pro or anything like that. So I was just like, you know, what? I, I played two years in college. Time to call it a day. I finished my degree and uh, moved on about life. Um, so, you know, after that, you know, I, I – you know, I was, I've always wanted to coach. I always wanted to coach, and I was living in New Jersey. And, again, my uncle, again, you're going to hear him a lot in my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my uncle was um, actually the, on the board of Cross Christian. Um, okay. So, so yeah, him. so the headmaster of Cross Christian co- uh, coached him in high school. So it's it's small world. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he was on the board. He said, hey, look, they're, they're thinking of, they're, they want to, they were only playing Christian schools at that time. They just started the program. They were only about four years in existence. And uh, he's like, they want to take this to the next level. Um, are you interested in going back to Delaware, going back to your home state and coaching this program? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do this. So I moved back. Um, we were pretty successful. My first, my first stint there. Um, so, you know, we, we had uh, three guys at that time. Um, that I coached back then um, from 2016 to 2018 going to play in college. Um, and then, you know, a little, you know, little thing changed. And, you know, he wanted, you know, he asked me to come back and be his head assistant at Don Academy. You know, my alma mater, good chance for me to learn. I always thought, you know, I, my whole thing is I always want to grow. You know, I never, mm-hmm. I never feel like I know enough. Um, I always want to grow. And I thought I would really benefit from being an assistant for a few years from a veteran head coach. So I went back to my alma mater, was his assistant for three years. Uh, we won a prep state championship there in New Jersey as an assistant. Uh, uh, we were a runner up for the prep state title the second year. Um, and then we had a 20, uh, we had, I think we won 12 games um, that COVID year. We were 12 and three or something like that, that COVID year that, you know, ter- that uh, very interesting. Yeah. Year for very sure. interesting one, you had to say the least. Yeah. So, um, and then, so after that, uh, I got a head coaching job um, at a public school and New Jersey, and uh, never, never really fit in at the public school. It wasn't. It really wasn't. You know, uh, it was just a different thing. You know, I, I, I like to have, be in contact with my guys all the time. I like to be in their lives. You know, I like to be able to coach them year round. And you know, with the public schools, I don't know how it is in different states. You know, you know Arizona and all those kind of things like that out there. But like in New Jersey, like summer leagues, you can't even coach your guys in summer league. You have to have an assistant coach or a parent coach your guys. You, you know, you can't be in contact with them. Those kind of mm-hmm. things. And I thought that you know that wasn't that wasn't really for me. Um, so you know, Cross Christian had kind of called. You know, we, I was kind of talking with Cross Christian headmaster again, and we kind of. Um, you know, he was like, "Hey, you want to come back?" And uh, you know, we 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 agreed for me to come back, and uh, the rest is history, I guess. Now, now, now I'm back here. So, and and let me ask as a follow up to that, um, because I, I know you have a very small school in terms of population. How does one, uh, as a student, actually get to your school? What what's the criteria there? And I know you also mentioned as well. Uh, we talked a little bit off air that those who are going to be playing are, are are high level basketball players. If you could talk a little bit about the not just the type of students who get there, but also the type of athletes who make their way over there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we don't even, we don't have busing. Um, so you have to. It's a it's a commitment. You know, it's uh, I tell them you know the first team meeting. You know, I told them when I got the job in August and I met the guys for the first time. Our first team meeting, I said, "Listen, 
you're going to really find out if you just kind of like the game of basketball or if you really love the game of basketball, if you really love this thing, um, because it's not going to be easy. You know, we had we had two guys that were commuting 40, 45 minutes a day um, driving their own personal car to school, um, you know, to get there. Mm. Um, now, now, one was right there in the area. He was only about 10 minutes away. The others were about 30. So those weren't too bad. But 40, 45 minutes a day um, every single day for an entire school year, that's a lot to ask, you yeah. know, for an 18, 19-year-old. Um, and, you know, yeah, so we have uh, so we have one guy, he's going D2. Um, he's going to NCAA D2 uh, on a full ride. And then we have a couple guys that are going uh, JUCO uh, D2, um, also on scholarship. And, uh, one, you know, one, he's just – one's got to kind of work on his grades a little. Um, you know, he wasn't quite NCAA eligible yet. And uh, the other one, he just wants to keep growing his game and keep, you know, keep getting some more time because he, he lost the season because of a torn ACL. Mm, yeah, that's, that's always tough. The tough rebounding from injuries like that. So, yeah, no, I, I don't yeah, blame Nathan yeah, we, the, the time. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, we had three guys on our team this year that had torn ACLs their, their true senior years before they came before wow. they came to us for a fifth year. Wow, that is tough. Yeah. I want to ask before we get into this about the the basketball culture and the basketball landscape in Delaware. I think in my three years of doing this show, I don't think I've, I've actually interviewed anyone who's from Delaware. So I wanted to ask you specifically about what the what the basketball scene is like over there. You know, what, what how, how competitive is it over there? Do you feel like the game is thriving or does it need help? How do you kind of analyze and kind of look at the landscape of where basketball is at right now in the, the Delaware area? Yeah, I mean that that's tough because, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty hard on Delaware basketball because obviously I coached and played uh, for a long time in New Jersey, PA, that those kind of areas and and on the East Coast, you know, New Jersey and PA is kinda almost the Mecca, you know, for high school basketball mm -hmm. a little bit. Um so I would say first and foremost, uh any state that doesn't have a shot clock is a little bit behind the eight ball. So you know, Delaware doesn't have a shot clock. Um I wish they would you know, I don't. I haven't even heard any talks of them even having that conversation yet. So I wish they would, you know, kind of, um, you know, have that conversation and add the shot clock first and foremost. Um, but I think, um, I think, you know, Delaware is more of a football state. I would say, I would say, mm. I would say, football is more of their uh, number one sport. So Delaware kind of takes a back seat um, to that. But there, there are a lot of, uh, you know, people that are trying to put Delaware basketball to the forefront. Like there's a lot of you know, uh, coaches and AAU coaches that run Instagram accounts, uh, YouTube videos, they're trying to push these athletes and they're trying to grow the sport in Delaware. So, um, I'm, a, you know, the, I think the, the future of basketball in Delaware is very bright. I think it's, I think it's taking good strides. So let's just get that shot clock in place though, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That that goes. Nationwide, nationwide, <laughs> not just Delaware. I will co-sign that. Yeah, absolutely. Very happy here in Arizona. We're, we're, we're getting it finally this coming year. So I'm very excited to finally work with that. Long yeah. time coming. And it's, it's, I hope that the rest of the states follow suit pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. We played, we played in five states this year. Um, we played games in five states this year. And uh, so we played in PA that had a shot clock. We played in Maryland that had a shot clock. We played in Virginia uh -huh. that had a shot clock. Yeah, so that, then you're just – it's. It almost feels like a, a, a different game once once you get the shot clock in there, at least in my experience, having played off it, it just feels feels right, but it also feels different. I can't imagine like going from playing with a shot clock to not having a shot clock and kind of making that that change, you know, as you play in multiple states. That must be kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, I think and I think that 
it more affects the the players. Uh, yeah, I think, sure. I think our players it affect the players more than me because obviously, you know, I played <laughs> college, so I was used to a shot clock anyway uh, for my playing days. Um, but yeah, I think it's more of where they've played in Delaware their entire, you know, their four years before they got to us. Um, and then all of a sudden they play the shot clock. Now, they all told me they didn't even notice the difference. Um, you know, that's what they tell me anyway. I, I will say we only had one shot clock violation the entire time this this whole year. So so maybe that's true. Maybe they didn't notice the difference. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I guess if you do play with a certain pace of basketball too, sometimes uh, yeah, we're seconds tempo. feels we like are, an eternity. We, we are an up-tempo team. There's yeah. no question about it. And speaking of your of your team, you mentioned last year how um, your entire starting five is going to be playing at the collegiate level next year. And I know you also mentioned that kind of the expectation for the players is that they are looking and are working towards playing at the collegiate level. So I wanted to ask about what did those players do to be collegiate ready? And, and what did you do as a coach to help them kind of get that exposure they needed and, and get their name out there? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess first part would be what did they do to get ready? Um, they all, you know, there's, there's no secret to success. There's no secret why they're going, you know, they, they worked their tails off. Um, you know, we, we had our sports performance, you know, guy, um, you know, we don't really, we don't have a weight room. Um, right now we're trying to work on that, you know, with a small school, we don't take state funding. Um, everything's either fundraising donations or tuition. Um, so we don't have a big athletic budget. Um, so we don't have a weight room. Um, so blessed um, that I met this, you know, met the owner of Outtrain Fitness and Performance right here in Delaware, Delaware guy. You know, he, he really cares about the kids here in Delaware. And uh, we worked out a deal to where he's our sports performance guy. He went to Villanova. He really knows his stuff, does great, great work. Um, can't say enough about them. Um, so, yeah, we went there three times a week, um, you know, for an hour. And he worked our guys out, you know, I'm talking about, you know, because we played, we played. 24 games like i said only about i think i think we had four home games at the end of the day so we only played four home games um and the rest of them were all on the road two road three hours race. away yeah yeah and um i had a seven man rotation so you know i'm talking about you know most of it was stretching mobility um you know opening up your hips you know those kind of things trying to keep everyone healthy mm -hmm. and uh you know got thank thank you know thank god we were blessed nobody got hurt um with that seven man rotation um but uh but yeah, so I think, you know, first and foremost, they were very serious about one, taking care of the bodies, keeping their bodies healthy, eating right, doing the right things. You know, they, they're kind of treating themselves like college athletes before they became college athletes, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then, of course, working. Yeah, you know, they were we have we do have a gun that somebody donated to us. So we have the shooting gun. So they're all in there hitting shots on the shooting gun You know, after practice, staying an extra hour, uh, whatever the case may be is. Uh, I got this I, one guy on our team is a complete nut when it comes to nutrition. He has his app that they scan the code and it'll tell you the true nutritional value if it's a good nutrition or something like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, you know, they, like I said, they just, they just treated themselves like college athletes before they were college athletes. Um, so, you know, they, they got there for that. And then um, in terms of exposure, uh, first and foremost, again, there's no shortcuts, you know, I, for my, you know, for my five starters, I probably emailed somewhere between 100 and 125 coaches for them this year. Um, so, you know, it, it was just sitting down and doing it, getting getting their videos out there. We have a video coordinator that videos every game. They do highlights after every game. Um, so just sending those highlights of guys, trying to look at what level fits them, and then sending a bunch of coaches at that level their film, their GPAs, what they're good at, what they need help with. 
And, you know, I, I, out of those 100, 150 emails I sent, I probably only got 40, 45 back. Um, you know, but it's just, it's just, just doing it. You just have to do it. And then talking to them about things not to lose an offer, you know, mm-hmm. making it look the part. Social media is so big in the recruiting game this, you know, nowadays, I think that, you know, I was, you know, I would go on their Twitter, be like, yeah, have an actual profile picture of you, you know, have an, you know, preferably of you in a basketball uniform, <laughs> but, but at least have a profile picture and nothing crazy. Like, don't, don't, don't lose your offer on your profile picture. Don't, you know, if, if you have a good GPA, put your GPA in your bio, uh, put your position in your bio, you know, put, you know, try to highlight your strengths that you can sell to a college coach. And, uh, and don't, and for the love of God, watch what you tweet and retweet and <laughs> those kind of things as well. And then, yeah. uh, the bit, and then when we get a college coach to come look at you, um, like I tell them all the time, if a college head coach or assistant coach, even with how busy they are, if they're coming to watch you play, they already know you can play. Um, they're not going to take time out of their day to come watch you play, drive an hour, hour and a half to come watch you play. If they don't know you can play, they're looking for everything else. So when they're there, um, I mean, you should always be doing this, but when you're there, especially, you know, watch how you're, you know, how you're reacting to the refs. Watch how you're reacting to your teammates making mistakes. Watch how you're reacting to yourself making mistakes. You know, watch how you react to coaching. You know, those kind of things. You know, you know, be willing to dive on the floor. Be willing to take charges um, because they're not coming to watch you play. They're coming to watch everything else. If they're coming mm-hmm. to watch you in yeah, person. The intangible stuff there, all the, all the conduct sort of thing and, and behavior type uh, attributes. Exactly. You mentioned uh, sending emails, and I and you mentioned quite a few. You're sending lots of emails there, and and I'm curious how personal were those emails, or was it just like like that that certain template that you sent? Or did any like coaches get any sort of personalized emails about why maybe that particular player would fit with that particular coach or system, or did they all kind of follow a similar uh, format that you would send to each uh, collegiate coach that you sent stuff out to? Um, for the most part, it was it was kind of a bit of a template. Um, now, for each player specifically, um, yeah, like like there's a player that you know I was I was sending emails about, and um, his stats don't jump out at you. Like he he did he you know he didn't have great stats. Um, and my but my whole thing is you know with him specifically, when I would send them film and send him his GPA and send him these things, the big thing I would point out. And those emails for that player specifically was the stats don't do him justice. He's a winner. He does everything right. He's a team captain. He's a leader. He never has bad body language. He's never a poor teammate. He, he's coachable. He's like a second coach on the floor. He takes charges. He dives on the floor. He makes the right pass every single time. He impacts winning outside the box. So like with him specifically, I really preach those intangibles, those winner um, assets that coaches are kind of looking for at the next level. And then, you know, with, with my guy that's going D2, he's 6'6 and can really shoot the ball. He shot the ball 40, you know, about 41% from the three point line this year. You know, I was like six, you know, six, six wing shoots the ball at 41% has a high quick release, can get it off at the college level, those kind of things. Um, so like I said, outside of, you know, he, you know, here's his strengths, here's his weaknesses, his GPA, here's some highlights. I would, I would always put a little paragraph about why I think he would succeed at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and those things too, you talked about a little bit more of those, you know, he's a winner or things like that. Uh, I think that 
if a coach bites on that and is really interested in that, then that's something that he goes out and watches that player play like that. That's something that could easily jump out right away, seeing that in person. I've I found that sometimes you kind of can see it maybe a little bit on film, but when you see a player like that in person and watch him throughout the whole course of a game, you're like, oh, I get it. I can definitely see why that player is like a winner. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and, and again, I, I, I'm old school. Like, uh, you know, obviously it was hard to do for us this year because of all of our away games. Um, but like when I was coaching and most of our games were in the same state, like when I was coaching in New Jersey and most of our teams were in the same state, I didn't watch game film. I would go to the games. Yeah, I would, I would, I, I'm one of those guys, there's things you see in person that you miss on game film, if that makes sense. There's just mm -hmm. little intangibles that you miss. Uh, I just have to see it live. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I couldn't agree a few more. And I, I also did want to follow up and ask about the level um, of AAU and, and club that your players are playing. Because some coaches might be curious about uh, for those players to be seen uh, by the right people. How high of level are your guys playing at, at the club and, and AAU circuit? Yeah, I, now that now that they might not all listen to me, but I tell them all that <laughs> if they're if they're not on the circuit, they're 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 con not I don't want to say completely wasting their time but like it, it, most of the time AAU if you're not on the circuit or if you're not going to these big big you know exposure events um if you're just playing like I had one kid that I was recruiting that's coming next year um actually he's a, you know he'll be a sophomore so we're going to be a lot younger next year um but he's playing you know he's playing with a local AAU team and I was like well where are you playing at and he's like Salisbury which is 30 minutes away from us and he sent me a couple clips of him playing, and I'm like, "This is the AAU you're playing." I'm like, "This isn't gonna make you better." I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm like I was like, I don't think I saw a college player in this clip. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, so you got to be somewhere where you're playing. One, you should have players that are gonna play in college on your team, but then you should be playing AAU against players that are college mm -hmm. players, um, because that's at the end of the day, the coaches want to see what you're gonna play like against those kind of level competition. And, uh, you know, we have a really good, uh, we have a really good uh, AAU program based out of Delaware. It's called We Are One. And, um, you know, the guy that, the guy that coaches the unsigned senior team, he's amazing. He's amazing. Like every day I wake up and he's on Twitter tweeting highlights of his guys from the past weekend, tweeting, you know, tagging college coaches in them, you know, those kind of things. Like they're, they're, I don't coach AAU. Uh, because I'm such a detail-oriented person and I've had some <laughs> bad experiences with AAU. You know, yeah, the schedule's sure. always changing, those kind of things. So I don't do that. Um, but when it's done right, it's a good thing. Um, it's just so rare to find somebody that does it right. But that program, We Are One, I'm a big advocate of. They do it right. And like I said, they're pushing the kids all the time. And at the end of the day, you know, that's that's what it is. They, they kind of coincide with the average, too, of getting kids to the next level getting them college prepared, getting them seen as much as possible. And so as a high school coach, it's incredibly important that even if you're not directly involved in coaching AAU, you need to definitely be plugged into the AAU or club scene around you and know the events or know the circuits that your players are going to need to be playing at in order to, to get seen because, and, and as I'm sure you you know, not all AAU is is – equal Pretty and not equal. all yeah. uh, club clubs are equals you got to be clued in and make sure that your guys and girls are getting into the right spot yeah absolutely because you know you don't want them to waste their time and you don't want the parents to waste their money and those kind of things and 
Um, you know, there's, you know, it seems like nowadays the AAU teams just kind of spring out of the ground. Um, yeah, anyone can know, start one sort of thing. And anyone can start one, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, it, it's, I guess it's like anything in life. There's, there's the haves and haves nots, and there's the people that do it really, really good, and there's people that don't do it very good at all. Um, yeah, like I said, I kind of, it, it, I kind of soured on AAU because my initial experiences with it was, you know, just complete disorganization. You know, the schedule's always changing, those kind of things. But then as I made more connections and met more AAU coaches, you know, the, you know, my experiences improved. So yeah. I guess, like I said, it's, I would say there's, there's less, there's less good programs than bad, but there are really good programs out there for sure. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what are you running on the offensive and, and defensive end with your program? And is it designed in a way that kind of helps them get them ready for what they might experience at the collegiate level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I kind of I like to teach my guys actions versus plays, if that makes sense. I like to teach them actions that they're going to, um, you know, use for offense. Uh, we'll start at offense. I'm, I like to teach them actions. You know, you know how to properly. You know, if if you know the ball is here for someone drives, one has to. You know, one has to go corner, one has to fill those kind of things. So, you know, we ran two, we ran two offenses this year. Um, I had some quick hitters if we absolutely needed a basket, but for the most part, we just had an open offense. We ran uh, four out, one in Villanova motion, um, and then we also ran the five out offense as well with a bunch of like zoom action. We had zoom action. We had flare screens. Um, we had passes free away, we had basket cuts, all kinds of stuff. We just left it really open, and I was more focused on, you know, how they played basketball versus teaching them set plays. Um, because, you know, as if, if your players know the concept in high school of how to play basketball, then when they go to the next level of college, they'll be able to fit into any system. You know, if, if they know how, if they know the keys to playing basketball, when to cut, spacing, you know, when to slow things down, you know, when, you know, what do you do with a ball screen? How do you set a ball screen? How, you know, where do you set the ball screen? Those kind of things. Like I said, they should be able to fit into any system at the next level, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's not getting them necessarily plugged into one particular, like, fixed role or fixed set that they can run within that program where they're kind yep. of locked into a certain spot because who knows what that collegiate coach might be looking for them to, to do the next year. Exactly. Get up to that level. Yeah, exactly. So like, like, and, and I'm, and I'm not knocking this, you know, I, I grew up playing flex and motion or those kind of things, but like, you know, you know, flex can kind of be a little robotic at times. Um, so like, I, I like to have open, you know, they can call for a ball screen and the four out one in anytime they want. Um, they can set dribble screens and the five out anytime they want. Um, the spacing, you know, I just worried a lot about spacing when they cut, you know, and, uh, when somebody drove, where did the fill, you know, did somebody go corner? Did somebody fill those kind of things? I just, I just worked on, um, you know, just, just good fundamental basic offense for basketball. Um, and then, of course, and on defense, um, you know, I'm not going to say we never played zone uh, because we definitely did play some zone. But for the most part, I played man defense, um, you know, with, with a lot of uh, Loyola Marymount. Uh, not Loyola Marymount. Uh, uh, what was uh, Moser? Uh, um, it's the, yeah, 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 yeah. There yeah, we go. I, I said the name, the college, the college, the college name uh, slipped yeah, but, out in Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, a lot of a lot of his principles. You know, we don't help off the corner. Um, you know, we 
we force it to the base. We force everything to the baseline. Once the ball is on one side, we try to keep it to that side. We don't allow middle ever. Um, you know, we we switch on. We switch everything. Um, if if a guard ends up getting switched onto a big and they see that and they try to exploit that, the guard fronts the big and the backside help kind of plays the lob. So that we did a lot of you know the Porter Moser principles. Um, you know, trying to teach them man-to-man defense because at the next level, they're going to be asked to play man-to-man defense at a high level. And if you can't play defense at the next level, you're never going to play. Yeah, the, uh, you can't. Uh, the, you can't be. Uh, you can't hide at the collegiate level uh, if, if you don't. If you lack like those defensive principles or those defensive skills, you get exposed pretty quickly. So having man, I mean, I think any zone that even you run in a college, you have to have good man principles anyway. Yep. So if you're running a lot of man, hopefully then the idea would be those players can be plugged in and put into any system and be successful in college. Yes, absolutely. So with five guys in your starting rotation who, who are, who are going to be playing uh, collegiately the next year, I, I'm really curious and fascinated by what is the what was the process for getting all those guys to – kind of work together and to be able to kind of play as one where, you know, one or, or two players weren't looking to like necessarily dominate the ball or, or, or control what was going on. How do you get like five talented players who all have these collegiate aspirations to kind of come together and uh, play for a common cause and a common purpose? Yeah. I mean, that, that is a challenging question. Uh, you know, that's uh that, that's a challenge for sure. Um, and I think that, like you said, they all want exposure. They all want, you know, they're all there to be seen themselves. They're all there to get to the next level. But the big thing I just had to preach to them is they they all need each other to succeed at the end of the day. They, they all have their own goals. They all have their own things they want to go to and their own places they want to get to. But they need each other to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to look great on film you know, scoring 20, 25 a game, but we're getting blown out every single night and, no, you know, you're, you're ball hogging and not passing the ball and turning the ball over and taking terrible shots. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. No good no good college coach is going to recruit you that way. Um, so you have to trust your teammate. Um, you know, I know, you know, I know this gets thrown around a lot um, in, in, in team sports, but I just, I, I, I preach that family atmosphere. You know, love each other, care about each other. Um, you know, it'll work out if you have good intentions and yeah, the good intentions is always make the right basketball play on film, put the right basketball play on film and the right things will happen. You got to trust that the right things will happen if you're doing the right things all the time. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I was blessed to have a great group of guys too, um, to be fair. Um, I only had a problem with one guy, um, all year and, uh, you know, he ended up not even finishing the year with us, um, playing. Um, but, you know, I kept them on for as long as I could. And then as soon as he was starting to disrupt and take away from everybody else, I had to, you know, I had to do what I had to do with that. Um, but like I said, for the most part, I had a good core group of guys. And that's what it starts out with. You got to be careful who you bring into your program as well. Well, that because that, that got me thinking about how you have you have guys who um, they said have these collegiate aspirations, have offers, have uh, plans in place to go and, and play it the next year. And I imagine, and I'll let you speak to this, it, it could be potentially challenging to get guys to stay focused on the task at hand while they're still in school when they can already kind of see what's out there on the horizon for them. Was that anything that you had to, had to kind of challenge or balance? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's the fine principle of, you know, like like I said, I think, you know, 
people, I, you know, I tell people all the time, like before we talked, before we got on the air, I told you, you know, we were 12 and 12. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people would say, look at that, be like, that wasn't that successful. Um, but again, you got to go back to what our goals are. Our goals are in, you know, lower Delaware, you know, we're low Delaware. So Dover smack dab in the middle of Delaware. We're about an hour away from the, the Dover, lower than Dover. So, you know, we had to, for our principles, the 12 and 12 wasn't as big of a deal sure. as everybody succeeding and getting to the next level and getting those offers and getting to where they need to go and moving on. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a, such a unique situation i imagine that 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 you're in where you you look at maybe the the win loss record and in many ways it kind of is second nature or second fiddle or isn't as important as to where it is that you know your guys are going and it, it's kind of like that feeling of th this is our record but it is what it is but look at where our where our guys are going and and, and in a way is that kind of how you measure like where the success is for your season as to where your guys are going beyond high school or, or what is your success criteria as a coach when you have, you know, a group of players uh, with those type of skill levels and aspirations? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, listen, I, I'd be lying. You know, I, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be lying before God if I didn't tell you that I was a little disappointed. We went 12 and 12 for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, any, I think any coach worth anything in this business wants to win, obviously. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, that's set, that was second priority for us. Uh, you know, the first priority, we, we played a monster schedule. Um, we, we played, you know, the Phelps national team that has two kids from Canada on it. I mean, we we played probably 10, 15 Division One players this year. Um, so, I mean, we played a really big yeah. – we played a real competitive schedule. And, you know, the whole purpose of that was, well, you know, obviously we know these guys are getting, have D1 offers. These guys have coaches on them. You know, these guys have college coaches interested in them, already have offers with another year left, whatever. So we play them. We put our guys on the court with them. If our guys produce like they're supposed to and do what they can do, then they're going to get seen too. You know what I mean? It, it kind of went, you know, the hand in hand with, you know, we're playing this level of competition that are being recruited by college. We put our guys on the court with them. They're, we're going to find out real quick what kind of level they are at. And, you know, a college coach will know what kind of level they're at. You know, our, our guy division, our guy that's going D2 played a school that had a D1 commit and he had 27 points, 15 rebounds on him. You know, so I, again, I put that on film. You know, you put, you, you had a D1 commit you played against and you had 27 and 15 on him. You put that on film. You know, it's like I said, we played a monster schedule. And like I said, I'd be lying if I wouldn't, you know, I, I didn't tell you that I wanted to win a few more games. But at the end of the day, we, we changed all of our kids' lives. They, they, they all are in a better spot than when they got here. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's, I, think, I think that's really cool to have that sort of perspective where obviously, of course, you want, you want to win as many games as you possibly can. You want to be as successful as you can. But then you can kind of take a step and, and look back and see like, oh, this is where my guys are going, especially as you said, when you're playing that level of competition. I mean, your, your guys, it seems like, are playing – against other guys who are also playing at the collegiate level and getting kind of the right type of competition they need to, to be ready to play next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you have, when you, when you have a kid call you um, almost in tears, you know, when he got the offer, he wanted the exact offer. He <laughs> the exact wanted, one. Awesome. Eh, the record, the record doesn't matter at all, at all. At that, at that moment, the record doesn't matter at all. Yeah, no, I, I mean, to, to get the exact program and the exact offer the, that they wanted. The, the exact, you know, the exact offer in terms of financial, the exact offer in terms of location, and the exact offer in terms of the coach you wanted to play for. The whole, the, yeah, the whole yeah. shebang. 
you can't that's beat awesome. that. You can't that, beat that. That's awesome. How do you work with your guys? I know you mentioned this a little bit in one of your previous responses, but but I'll kind of ask it again here. How do you work with your guys to make sure that they're advertising themselves correctly and, and making sure that they're being seen by the people that they want to be seen by? Yeah, you know, like I said, we, we talked about it loosely um, at the beginning, but like I said, I, you know, very beginning of the season, I asked them, I said, hey, you know, I need, I need to know if you have a Facebook, I need to know if you have an Instagram, I need to know if you have a Twitter, and if you do, I need to know what they are. Um, and I instantly went in there. Obviously, we have our own social media for the school program and whatnot, but I have a personal one as well. And, uh, you know, I went on there and I, I kind of critiqued them. I kind of critiqued them all on their social media stuff. Um, you know, hey, look, you know, this doesn't even, this doesn't, you know, this one of them had a picture of a gray circle as their, as their, as their profile picture. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I'm like, listen, you could have worse things as your profile picture. But preferably, you want a picture of yourself, preferably in a basketball uniform. You know, if, if that's if your number one goal is to get recruited, preferably you want everything to be about that. And then one one had him, you know, one didn't have anything about basketball at all on his on his bio. He didn't he had, you know, I forget what he even had in it, but he didn't have like his position. He didn't have his class that he, the year he was graduating. He didn't have his height. He didn't have his GPA. He didn't have anything. And I'm just like, you know, we're uh, every night I'm going to be tweeting out your stats after the game. I'm going to be tweeting out game highlights and all that stuff. And I'm going to tag you if it's your highlights and it's your stats. I'm going to tag you in it. And then when a coach clicks on it and goes there, they're not going to see anything about you. You know, you got to you got to sell your positive attributes. Uh, this is the worst. You know, I, I listen, I'm still relatively young. You know, I'm 31, uh, but I've been around the game for 17 years as a player or a coach. And this is the worst time. And this is the hardest time, I'm sorry, in the history that I've been around the game to get recruited. So there's, you know, there's a million reasons for a coach not to recruit you. You know, don't self-sabotage. Don't shoot yourself in the foot with something you don't think is a big deal, but really is a big deal. Um, so I'm like, you know, don't, you know, don't say certain things on social media. Don't retweet certain things. On so I was like, there's a lot of them didn't even know that you could see uh, likes. Likes like, on social, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like. Don't like certain things on social media yeah. they shouldn't like, you know. I mean, yeah. When they said that, they're like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "There's a tab on social on Twitter. You can go to the likes and see what you've liked." Uh oh. And based on, <laughs> yeah, based on what you like, the coach might be like, hmm, I, "I don't know if I uh, don't know if he fits in with us." Yeah. You know. So and you know and actually, I had to have a conversation with a couple parents, you know, that were a little that were being a little too hands on. And I'm like, listen, I'm like. I don't mind being critiqued. I don't mind being, you know, uh, you know, asked about certain things, but I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm like, sometimes I was like, you, you, you got to back off a little bit. I'm like, I'm fine with it. I was like, but a college coach is fine with it. You know, I'm like a college coach at the next level. They're recruiting you just as much as they're recruiting your kid. Um, as crazy as that sounds, but, you know, like I said, and, there's a. And what were those? What were those conversations? What What was the parents just trying to be too involved in the process, or trying to trying to? What What were What were they doing that you had to kind of step in and have a conversation they, with them? They were a little too vocal at games. Okay. They were a little too vocal about things at games, and they're more specifically, they were kind of distracting their kid at the game. You know, they would say mm. like when they were there, they his kid was their kid were a lot more locked in games that they weren't there versus games they were there if that makes sense okay yeah and um you know like i said i just like look i was like i love you i was like i love you kid i was like i don't care if you critique me whatever i don't care uh you know it, it is what it is but i'm just telling you the truth about it i was like the truth is there's 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids trying to get the same spots your kid's getting. If your kid's the same talent level, same GPA, same everything as this kid, but their parents are completely hand off and you know, the coach never has to deal with it, they're going to pick the kid that the parents are completely hands off and the coach never has to deal with it. Um, that is, that's just the way it is. Um, and that's, and, and I, and and I they was going to say, it. that's hard. That, that's hard when you're, and I imagine that, that sometimes that could be a difficult conversation. You have it, it was a hard conversation. Trying to want the best for their kid, right? Or they're trying to advocate yeah. or trying to be, be in their kid's lives, which of course it is that you want, but at the same time, you don't want them to be a detriment and actually hurt their kids, you know, chances of, of being seen or getting that offer. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, but I think it goes, it was definitely a difficult conversation uh, first and foremost, but I think it goes back to, you know, I had already earned that kid's trust. You know what I mean? So I think that after that conversation, that kid knows I cared about him. The kid knows I loved him. The kid knows I have his best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. So I think that after that conversation, I think that, you know, they were a little unresponsive. Yeah, they, they didn't really respond to the conversation great at the time. But my guess is I think they went home. The kid and them had a conversation. And I think the kid under, you know, the kid kind of was like, look, you know, coach, coach loves me. Coach cares about me. He's not, he's not trying to pull rank on you. He's not trying to, you know, just rule the roost or anything like that. He's, he's just telling you generally, you know, the truth about how, how recruitment works and all that kind of stuff. He just generally has my best interest in mind. And I think after that, things were better for sure. And, um, yeah, to just have that relationship with, with your players, I think is, is so important. Uh, especially, I mean, it's always important, but if you have players who are looking to, play at the next level you as a coach are probably maybe one of the only authority figures that they trust in that who's actually gone through this process or knows what to expect and and knows what's happening and and i think your your players are going to be putting a lot of trust in you in that so so don't take that lightly because when you as a coach have to talk to your parents uh talk to those parents you 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 want the players to trust you and back you up because they're putting those players are putting that trust in you that you know what you're doing and you have their best interest in mind as well oh wholeheartedly and uh, you know kids aren't stupid you know i i tell, I tell guys all, i tell people that all the time kids aren't stupid as you think um they know when you're being fake, they know when you have good intentions and when you don't have good intentions. Um, so you just got to be, you got to be true. You got to be real. You got to be you all the time and don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to fake it. None of that stuff. Cause they know, they know if you care and if you're putting in the hard work and you know, most of my guys, you know, would know that I cared about them and put in the work because you know, when I emailed these coaches, I'd be like, Hey, look, just so you know, you know, here's, here, I email this college for you, this college for you, this college for you, this college for you. So if they, if somebody follows you on Twitter, if someone follows you on Instagram, if you mm -hmm. get a message from Instagram, any of that, just so you know, heads up ahead of time, these are the colleges I emailed for you today you know, or mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, eventually when they're like, you know, eventually at some point, you know, one, I tell them all the time I love them anyway. And I do stuff that, you know, they, you know, I, you know, I ask them how that, you know, I generally, we have great conversations. Like that is one thing about being at a small school that I love is, you know, you, you get real close with your players and your students, you know, because it's such a small, like you can't hide in a classroom six or seven. You just can't. Um, it's, it's just not possible. Yeah. So yeah. you get real close and you have really good relationships with people. And, you know, but beside on, on the flip side of that, when they're like, wow, you know, we travel two, three hours away. Sometimes coach doesn't get home until one o'clock in the morning. And then still on his days off or his time off, he still email coaches for me. You know, it's pretty self-explanatory that he really cares and is trying to get you places. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and speaking of that trust, 
aspect that you mentioned, this got me thinking about the fact that these these guys that you're coaching probably have a lot of coaches that they've they've had. Um, they they have their club coaches, they have their AAU coaches, they they probably have trainers, most of them, if not all of them, that they work with. Was there ever any sort of issue that you had ever faced where what you wanted your guys to do or the coaching that you were giving your guys came into conflict with things that other, you know, their players said that their other coaches or other trainers told them to do? Was that ever anything that you ever had to deal with or was that never, never become an issue? Yeah, I, I, I had a coach, um, that two, two of my guys, uh, play for, um, that, you know, I, I just disagreed with, you know, I, 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 I didn't agree with his handling of things. And, you know, one of them were the, one of them was the guy that I let go off my team and, you know, gave him multiple chances. You know, you always give a kid a chance to come back and get back to the good graces. But uh, like I said, at some point when he was, I felt like he was hurting the other players and their mm -hmm. opportunity, I had to do what I had to do. But, you know, he, you know, he 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 like called me and was like, you know, what are you doing? Why did you, why did you let this kid go? You know, you know, we we talked about you know the things that he struggled with, and he was like, well, that's just how he is. And I'm just like, you're not doing that kid any favors <laughs> by by letting him skate through life and and keep acting that way. You're just yeah. not um, because there's not a college coach in the world in the world that was gonna put up. You know, and I'm not mm. going to go into details, but sure. you know, I was like, "There's just, there's just not a college coach in the world that's going to deal with it." There, it, you know, like I said again, there's thousands of kids that want these spots, and they're not going to do it. They're, they're going to, they'll take you, they'll take even a less talented player, um, slightly less talented, and yeah. not have the headache because they have a thousand things on their plate. The last thing they need to worry about is, you know, culture issues. Yeah, and and that's. I, as a as a coach, I think you really just have to be confident with yourself and confident with your values and confident with the things that are important to you. Because if you're coaching these these high high level athletes and these ones who have a lot of people in their ear, um, they're gonna probably be hearing a lot of different things for these players from a lot of different people. And and as a coach, I think one you really have to be confident in what you're doing and confident that you're going about things the right way. And two, as we've talked about repeatedly, building that trust with your players so that they know that you have their best interest in mind when maybe they're hearing, you know, 10 different things from 10 different people. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, listen, I'll be, I'll, cause I didn't, I don't, I don't, I'm one of those guys that like, I don't want to give up on anybody. I just sure. don't, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that everybody can be saved to a point and you know, everything, but uh, like I said, and I tried that. I tried everything until it's, he started taking away from other people. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, it, even then I was like, we had to change our offense. We had to change our defense. We had, you know, I, you know, we had the toughest stretch of the season coming up. And I was like, now we're down to a six-man rotation and we don't have a big man anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and all these teams had guys of like six, seven, six, eight, six, nine. Um, so I'm just like, is it really the right thing to do? Because now we're putting the pressure on everybody else. I knew, yeah. I knew it was hurt. It was going to hurt us on the court for sure. Play, you know, play wise. We, I was like, we're not, we're going to struggle to rebound the basketball uh, the rest of the season, and we did. Um, but you know, I had a couple college coaches that came out uh, very shortly after I, I dismissed that player, and they all complimented the culture of the team. You know, you know, even in games that we didn't win. They're like they're all you know supportive to each other. They all reacted positively to you. Not only critique the refs, 
yeah, they were all lifting their heads up. They're all helping their teammates get better. They're all, you know, lifting their heads up when they were down. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, even the best coaches, you know, they, they all, it's, it's a tough profession, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, we always, you know, you're always thinking of that, you know, I, I, from the day I wake, from the moment I wake up to I go to sleep, I'm thinking about the team and, you know, what's best for the team, those kind of things. So you always have a little bit of a second thought there. But like, you know, I had a couple of college coaches after that were like, man, they were like, you have a great culture. And, and, you know, uh, and after that, I was like, okay, I was like, that pretty much, pretty much affirms that, you know, I know I did the right thing. Yeah, when you when you get those compliments, I mean that 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 can mean can mean more than almost any victory sometimes that you have when you got other coaches who will go out of their way to compliment the way that you're doing things. So what a great feeling that is. Yeah, yeah, and I needed it at the time. <laughs> yeah, especially I mean, that's a tough decision you had to make. Yeah, yep. yeah, um, and and that goes into what I was going to ask about. In what ways would you say that you try and model your program or model your expectations to that of a college program? And and to add on to that, is there any advice that you would give to a high school coach who might be looking to make their program more, you know, college-like for a back, lack of a better term or, or more held up to that higher standard? Yeah, I, I think it's the whole thing. I think, you know, it's, it's the sports and performance side of things, making those things mandatory because you're going to be, you're going to be made to do those things at the next level. You're going to be made like at my Juco, which again was a startup Juco first year in existence. We had a weight room check-in where you had to go to the weight room and you had to sign your name on the ledger mm -hmm. that, that you went and did your lift that morning. Um, so, you know, holding to the standard about the sports performance, you know, keeping, you know, keeping in touch, you know, and again, at a small school, I get, you know, people that are in a public school with three, 4,000 kids and they have, you know, freshmen, JV, you know, varsity to deal with. I, I get that's a little bit harder, but, you know, keeping it, keeping an eye on their grades, making sure they are, you know, doing what they need to do in the classroom every single day, um, making sure they're in school every single day. Um, you know, again, checking their social media, making sure they're not, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole package. And, you know, again, running offense and defense, Again, all with the idea that it's going to correlate and, you know, make them better in the next level. And then you have preach the little things, preach the little things, because at the college level, they aren't the little things. You know, their coaches, like I said, when a coach comes to see them play, they're looking for their body language. They're looking at how they react to themselves when they turn the ball over, how they react to a teammate when they turn the ball over, how they react when they're in a shooting slump how they react when they're, they're not getting the calls, if they feel like, the, you know, the refs are favoring the other team more than them, you know, preach all that stuff. Um, it's, it, it, it could be the difference between them getting an offer and not getting the offer. If you've had that, you know, had that conversation. Um, you know, I, when I was an assistant coach, I had a coach and this sounds ridiculous, but this is how fine a recruiting level is the, the, the recruiting environment that we're in right now, how fine of how fine between getting, an offer and not getting an offer. We had a coach come an hour and a half to watch a kid, good player, um, you know, scored a thousand points. And in warmups, he was wearing his warmup around his neck like a cape. And I was like looking around and I noticed the coach wasn't there anymore. And so I texted, you know, we called the coach after the game. So what happened? Do you have an emergency? He's like, I don't want that player. I was like, he's a clown. He was like, he, 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 you can tell he doesn't take it serious. You can tell, you know, he's, he's wearing his warm-up around. He's trying to stand out, you know, that he's a dime a dozen. He's like, I don't want to deal with him. He doesn't, he doesn't care enough about the game to take it serious. 
you know, he's like, he didn't have his shoes tied. He's wearing his warm up around like a cape. So, you know, that was my first year as an assistant. So I learned really early how much the little things that to some people might not sound like big deals, how much they care. And then I yeah. think, wow. Continue. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And then, Continue. and then I think that the other thing is, is, you know, as a, to, to make a, as you go to the biggest thing, I think, um, about making your program and making your players more ready for the college level as a high school coach is don't don't sacrifice your culture for wins. You know, like I said, I had to do that this year. I, I had to make a decision. I knew the decision I was going to make was probably going to hurt my team on the court as far as performance wise. But you got to stay true to who you are. You got to stay true to your beliefs. You got to stay true to what you believe is best in the long run for your team, the culture you're trying to build. I mean, this was, I've, I've been here before at this school, you know, I mm -hmm. coached 2016, but this was my first year here and, you know, a first year back and, you know, first year, you got to set the tone more than anything. Yeah. That's the biggest thing you got to, you got first year. They're all looking at you. What's acceptable. What's not acceptable. You know, cause we had four or five freshmen on the team too. They didn't play very much, but we had four or five freshmen on the team and they're looking at me. What's acceptable. What's not acceptable. And you have to put that you have to put that standard down. And, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, you shouldn't you can't. I know it's tough. It's a fine line that coaches play because at the end of the day, you also have to win to keep your job. <laughs> so it yeah, is a fine a line. Bit of a balance there. Yeah. It, it is a little bit of balance. Yeah. So it's a fine line. But, um, yeah, I mean. You got to the culture always has to stay. I, I believe that if you have a strong culture at the end of the day, you're always going to find a way to win. I, I just believe strong cultures find ways to win. Um, so I, I, I would just say don't don't ever you know sacrifice short term wins for the good of the long term culture and the good of the long term program. Yeah, and 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 as you mentioned before about that one player who had to be dismissed from the team, it, it, it's a tough decision. It may hurt a little bit in the short and sting a little bit, and you may lose some things on the court. But I I think that if you lose something temporarily on the court, uh, that that's a lot easier to get back than trying to reclaim culture. If you, uh, you know, let somebody like that on and let them kind of erode and ruin the culture. Yeah. Yeah. The culture is a lot harder to rein back in once yeah. you've, once it's gotten away mm -hmm. than it is to, you know, fix, you know, just, just, you know, try to adjust your team to the best you can. And that's all I said. I was like, look, I was like, you know, I, I, I told that to the team. I said, like, look, if I'm being honest with you, this might hurt us a little bit. You know, I, I'm always transparent with our guys. I'm like, you know, if, if this this might hurt us a little bit in the long run. Um, but all it is is, you know, he's, you know, he, I was like, he's gone. Though. I was like, it, it is what it is. I was like, the quicker we as a team and a group get over that, the quicker we can move on and the quicker we can perform better. I was like, so we just have to, we have to move on. That's all we can do. And I think your players then, you know, they, they kind of get the message then that, okay, we, we know if, if somebody like that can be dismissed, like any of us can possibly dismiss for something, and everyone just holds themselves, I think, to a little bit of a higher standard from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and like you said, and on the flip side of that, if you let that go, mm -hmm. like you, then, then it, and it's a snowball effect. Well, he did that, well, and yeah, I could do that. Yeah, and you don't you know, have a leg to stand on anymore. Exactly, exactly, so. Before we hit our concluding segment, I, I am curious about this. I, I love to ask uh, coaches who work with guys and girls who are who have players who are looking to go to the next level. When you are looking at 
maybe one of your players like highlight film or their, their film on huddle or any sort of like highlight package that they're going to put together and send to a college coach. Um, any, anything in particular that you think are absolute musts that need to be there? And is there anything that you feel like is unnecessary or doesn't need to be on like a, a huddle or highlight package for a player? So I would say, you know, musts would be, as I know, everybody likes, to, you know, everybody likes to put the offense in highlight films and that's fine. And there's definitely like a, Today's game has changed from I don't I don't know if you played in college or high school or not, but I'm I'm assuming you did. Um, and then from even when I played, you know things that the game has changed. It's all about the three point shot. Mm -hmm. A lot of it revolves around if you can't shoot the ball, you're going to struggle, and those kind of things. So I think that obviously you know shooting the ball should be on there. Um, those kind of things, but things people don't think about a lot on highlight films are assists, making the right pass, making the right you know a very high basketball IQ play. And I think defense, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of highlight films that don't have any defense. And again, college coaches want guys that play defense and take pride in their defense. So if you got guys that are taking charges, if you got guys that are diving on the floor, if you got guys that are getting steals and, you know, and getting, you know, turnovers one-on-one, -on -one, you know, with the guys that are even playing good half, you know, help defense and coming over and trapping and forcing turnovers, whatever the case is, find ways to get those clips in. You know, find ways to get defense in. Try to find ways to get assists in. You know, heck, if you want to go one step forward, you know, further, you know, try ways to get hockey assists in, um, you know, where it's a pass to a pass. Um, those kind of things. Because, again, I think those are the intangibles that college coaches are trying to base things on. Um, you know, and as far as things that don't need to be in it, you don't need these fancy edits. I, I, I saw, I've seen so many things on Twitter. The bigger, the more involved I've been on Twitter, the more I've seen of these highlight videos. And I've seen so many, like, maybe it's like a minute and a half highlight video, but like 15 seconds of it is just them and warm-ups, you know, making layups and warm-ups <laughs> and then the, the music's playing. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to grab a coach's attention. They don't, you should be making layups and warm-ups. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, if you have hot college aspirations, you should be making layups and warm-ups. You shouldn't be missing layups and warm-ups. You know, that's not a high <laughs> So, so I would, I would say cut back on those. And like I said, really try to find a way to get your defense on there um, and really try to find a way to, you know, hit shots. Um, and then, like I said, assists as well. I I really like that you kind of mentioned the, the taking charges. I love that. I think the, those like energy, those kind of like energy plays that you can get there that show that yep. you're willing to, well, one, like do that dirty work or change momentum because like those things I think um, would really draw like a college coach's interest and really want them to like see those energy plays out there like in, in person and see like those big momentum changing plays or that hustle or those hockey assists or things like that. Because yeah. as you mentioned, right, it's kind of the expectation that if you have college aspirations, you probably should be able to put the ball in the bucket, right? You should be able yeah. to do, do some of these skills. There's kind of a baseline expectation of what you should be able to do. Um, but those like intangibles that you need to to kind of separate because, you know, not a lot of guys or girls are, are willing to take charges or willing to do some of these uh, less flashy things. But if you get players who are excited about those sort of things, I'm like, put 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 all that stuff in because that stuff is that stuff's great. Yeah, I mean, like, as like I said, we I talked about that kid that I sent the, the, yeah, at the very beginning. I talked about that kid with the email where I was like, he's mm -hmm. a winner. And yeah, yeah. everything I everything I just said about, you know, making open shots, making the right play, hockey assists, taking charges, he does all those things. Like, he's the definition 
of you know a winner at the college level. He's a guy that can be a cornerstone of a program when you're trying to flip the culture from like a first year head coach that's taken over a program that's never won. You know, he's a guy that you want to get in there to show guys how to win basketball games. Mm-hmm. And he he took we played 24 games this year. He probably took 15, 16 charges. You know, like he 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 really did. And uh, you know, he's you know, like I said, he's a winner. That's I I don't know what else to say. He just he just impacts winning. And you know, every coach I played against, you know, I, I say I think to the normal eye that's just watching the game, I don't think he pops out. But I think anybody, every coach after the game was like, man, I really like that kid. I really mm-hmm. like him. He does the little things, um, which in hindsight, the little things always add up to winning. So they're not, yeah. you know, I, I always like to say the little things add up to big, big things. Um, yeah, but they are big, those little things. Yeah. Awesome. To wrap up, Coach, there's a couple questions I ask every guest. So I'll go ahead and start here with this first one, which is uh, thinking back on your coaching career. Uh, what is a moment from your coaching career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Uh I, I I know we kind of covered it already, but again, I think I think that again we're, we talk about you know with with you know letting knowing when to discipline a player mm-hmm. is very important, and knowing when to do that. You know, my first stop here at Cross Christian, I had a kid that scored two thousand points as a, in high school, and you know he did something, and I suspended him two games. You know, and then you know of course the kid I kicked off this year was six eight, and that that doesn't grow on trees. No. Um, especially not in Delaware, but you, you got to do what's best for your program. And, and you know, you gotta, you gotta decide early, you gotta decide in your coaching career, what kind of coach you're going to be. If you're going to be a guy that, you know, uh, keeps the standard, the standard, or if you're going to be a guy that's a little loosey goosey with the standard, um, you know, and, and, and care more about winning. And I just, I just decided early on that I'm the standards, the standard end of the day. I don't care. You know, like I said, the guy scored the one kid scored 2,000 points and the other kid was 6'8". Um, the standard, the standard. Nobody's above it. Myself included. You know, it's important that the coaches understand that you got to hold yourself to that as well. Right. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, that I would say that, you know, that that's that's my biggest thing that, you know, kind of kind of the biggest story that, that, that coaches can take away from my coaching career so far is that you, nobody's above it. you got, you got to be willing to, you know, discipline the best player just like you would discipline the worst player. Well, well put, well said. To wrap up, Coach, I give every guest kind of what I call a 60-second soapbox, but I'm not timing you, so don't worry. But uh, it's kind of a platform for you to kind of get out a final thought, a final message, just kind of a closing idea that you want to leave the listeners with, and you can sort of take it any which direction that you want. So I'm just going to kind of give you the floor here, Coach, and uh, I'm just going to kind of let you take it from here. Yeah, so we talked a lot, so I'm not, I don't know if I'll take up the 60 seconds. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think the I think the most important thing is – you know, if you're going to, regardless of if you're going to coach at any level, college, high school, middle school, you know, um, you know, youth league, whatever, I think, you know, I think the most important thing to think about as a coach is relationships. Um, you know, I have guys that I've, I've you know, I, ha- I haven't, you know, for my first team that I coached seven years ago that still text and ask me advice. I had one that, you know, text me like two weeks ago, asked me, you know, what kind of car he should get, and send me details of this car. And he's like, should I buy this car? And those kind of things. Um, you know, I, I create. Uh, I like to think that I create relationships with my players that last, you know, that are going to last a lifetime. And I think that's the most important thing. If you're – obviously, when you're up to, like, a certain level, obviously D1, something like that, you're going to make money. But for the most part, if you're getting into, if you're getting into this profession to make money, you're in this profession for the wrong, the wrong reasons. Um, 
uh, the the relationships and the impact that you make on people are way more important. Um, like when that kid called me almost in tears that he got the exact offer he wanted, you know, it, I teared up, you know, that's, that's yeah. the kind of impact you should be having. And it shouldn't mean that much to you. Uh, when somebody, you know, you should, you need to be half, you need to be able to be happy for other people hitting their goals, I guess is what I would say. Awesome. So, uh, well, I, I, I like that a lot. I think you did go about 60 seconds too. So yeah, right. I think you did take it all. <laughs> all good though. Uh, Coach AJ, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, sharing your your story and your journey on, on your real uh, interesting uh, coaching situation that you're in. Very rewarding one, too, and and, and one that, that was really uh, interesting to listen to and follow along with. And, and I wish you luck as you are such a busy individual as you continue to uh, find time for all, all the different jobs you do, as, as well as all the work that you're doing, getting your guys exposure and putting their names out there. So... Uh, thanks for all you do, Coach, working working with your guys and advocating for them. Uh, best of luck going forward, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, Coach. Really appreciate you coming on and joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. And uh, like I said, it's always good to talk basketball with anybody. And, uh, of course, like I said, it's great to you know talk about the program and get our program and uh, tell our kids' story a little bit more as well. Appreciate that, Coach. Appreciate all of you listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.